You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Boutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie Nacho Libre? Uh, maybe I should reword it. How many of you are willing to admit you've seen the movie Nacho Libre? You know, with Jack Black in it years back. Uh, you know, I, I think one of my favorite scenes in that movie is, is where, where, you know, Nacho, played by Jack Black, you know, he, he turns to his friend Escaleto and he says, he says, you know, I'm a little concerned about your salvation and stuff. How come you've not been baptized? And at that point, his friend Escaleto turns and says, says, because I haven't gotten around to it, okay? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, you know, Nacho sneaks up from behind him with a, with a basin of water and, and kind of slams his head in. He says, you know, be baptized, <laughs> right? Well, uh, well, this morning, as we look at these two passages, one in, in, in Acts chapter 2, the other in Acts chapter 8, we're going to discover this morning why we need to be baptized, who needs to be baptized, and also when we should get baptized. And, and, and then finally, uh, we're going to answer the question of, of what's preventing you from being baptized, so all of these are the things we're going to address here in this passage this morning. Who needs to be baptized, why we need to be baptized, when we need to be baptized, and, and finally, what's preventing you from being baptized. So first of all, as we pick it up now in, in, in Acts chapter 2, let's answer the questions of why do we baptize, who should be baptized, and also we'll talk about when. But in Acts chapter 2, in verses 37 and 38, it says... Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get some context. The context of, of Acts chapter 2 was that, remember, first of all, Jesus had told his apostles, he told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So that's what they do. They go to Jerusalem. There's 120 of them. They're gathered in the upper room and they're waiting and they keep on waiting and they keep on waiting. And then, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in tongues. That is, they start speaking in, in, in foreign languages. And then they spill out into the streets. This gathers a crowd, a, a huge crowd of thousands gather to, to, to try to find out what's going on. And it's in that moment that Peter stands up and starts preaching a sermon. He preaches about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He, he, he preaches about how, how, how the people had rejected Jesus. And then he preaches that, that because of their sins, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross, so that they could be forgiven of their sins. And then it's almost as if Peter's doing an altar call, that, that we now get this vibe in, in, in verse 37, and it says, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now that phrase, cut to the heart, kata nuso is, is the Greek term there. It means to, to agitate violently or, 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 to, or to, to disturb from within. It can be rendered this way. It can be translated, you know, to prick a person's conscience. To prick a person's conscience. Let, let me describe you know how it is sometimes you, you come to a church service and as the pastor's preaching, all of a sudden it feels like he's talking just to you, like you're the only one in the room. It's a sermon for one. And you're thinking the whole time, who told? You know, and, and, and the whole time as, as he's preaching, something's going on in here. You feel like, like, like your heart's being touched, like your conscience is being pricked. Well, that is what was happening to them in Acts chapter 2. They were being cut to the heart. And so now they ask Peter, they ask the apostles, and they say, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, it's interesting. Why, as, as Peter was preaching this message, as he's preaching this message, why does he include this part in his message when he says, repent and be baptized? Why did he include that? Well, because if you think about it, isn't that what Jesus commanded them to preach? 
You may remember back in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Now, by the way, Matthew 28, 19 in the original Greek is, is written in what's called a Greek imperative tense, meaning just that, that it was imperative. It wasn't optional. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. It was imperative. And so literally in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is commanding his disciples saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So now the question, why should we as, as believers in Jesus get baptized? Why should we as, as Christians get baptized? Answer, because Jesus commanded it. Again, it's imperative. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It was a command. And so because Jesus told us to do it out of obedience, we do it. That's why. That's why we do it. Now, by the way, the word baptized, it's the Greek word baptizo. It's a term that means to, to fully immerse, to dip, to, to, to submerge. Now, originally, it also conveyed a, a change of identity. In the original uh, context in the first century, it was often used uh, in, in, in the clothing industry, in the fabric industry. And oftentimes in the fashion industry, they, 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 might, they might dye some fabric. So they might take a, a you know, piece of, of cloth, like this white towel, and then they would submerge it into a vat of red dye. And in the process, they changed its identity. It went from being a, a, a white piece of fabric, and then they submerged it into red dye. And then when they lifted it back up, it had a new identity. It's now red fabric. And in the same way, that's baptism. The idea is, is, that, is that you, 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 you went in as a sinner, but then you came out and, and you were cleansed, you were washed, you were, you were washed white as snow. You, it symbolizes a new identity, a changed identity. You might say that it's an, it's an outward sign of an inward reality. It's, it's your way to show on the outside this new life that he's given you on the inside. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. Paul said, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, pause there. How do you become a child of God? How do you become a Christian? Answer, by faith. And only by faith. That's it, just by faith. That's the only thing you have to do to become a Christian is believe in Jesus. But then he continues and he says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So he's saying that, that baptism, it's, it's like symbolic. It's outward. When you get baptized, it's like, it's like you've put something on on the outside. You've put on new clothes on the outside, a new identity on the outside. And so it's an outward sign of this new inward reality that he's changed your life. So why uh, do we get baptized? Answer, Jesus told us to. He commanded us to. But now the question is, who? Who should be baptized? Short answer, disciples. Anyone who, who, who's become a follower of Jesus, anyone who's a believer in Jesus. Think about this. Back in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said two things. Number one, he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's number one, become a disciple. And then number two, after you've made them disciples, baptize them. So number one, become disciples. Then after you become a disciple, get baptized. And so you don't get baptized to become a Christian. You got baptized because you are a Christian and you want the world to know. He's changed your identity and you want the world to know that he's changed your identity. In the same way, that's what Peter's saying here in, in, in Acts chapter 2, he, when he says, repent and be baptized. 
Now, by the way, the, the word repent, it's the Greek term metanoeo. It, it literally means a change of direction. Here's the idea. The idea is, is that you were walking in this direction in your life. You were walking in this direction. You, you, were, you were living this life, this kind of lifestyle, but then you decided to have a change of direction in your life, and you're no longer living in this direction, no longer living in this lifestyle. Now you've turned away from that lifestyle, and you've turned to Jesus. You had a change of direction in your life. That's repentance. And so what it's saying is, is repent, change the direction of your life, no longer live this way and turn to Jesus. And then it says, repent and be baptized. For what? He says, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, there are some who, who, who would read that and they'll say, well, now, does, does this mean that, that for me to, to be forgiven of my sins, I've got to be baptized? I mean, does this mean that for me to, to, to become a Christian, to, to go to heaven, does, does it, to, to get saved, do I have to get baptized to get saved? Because after all, it says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, Greek language experts, A.T. Robertson and J.R. Mante, uh, point out that, that the word for there, when it, when it says, repent and be baptized, and later it says, for the forgiveness of your sins, that Greek term, ice, is, is a term that could be better translated because of. In other words, you're not getting baptized for your sins to be forgiven. Rather, you're getting baptized because your sins got forgiven. Think of it this way. Because you repented, because you turned away from this lifestyle and you changed the direction of your life, and you're now following Jesus, because now you are following Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And now that your sins are forgiven, you should get baptized. So first, repent. First, believe in Jesus. Then after you believe in Jesus, then get baptized. And so really, Peter's giving us kind of a, a two-step program. Step one, repent. Turn to Jesus. Step two, after you've repented, after you've changed the direction of your life, get baptized. Why? Because it's a way to go public. It's a way to show this world your new outward, it's an outward sign of your new inward reality that he's really changed you. You're going public by getting baptized. You're showing the world that he's changed you, that he's washed you white as snow. But now I want us to, to answer the next question, and that is, what is preventing us from being baptized? Now we wrestle with that as we pick it up in Acts chapter 8, verses 34 through 37, where it says, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And they went, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, again, some context. Here's the, the, the context of, of, of Acts chapter 8 is that earlier in the chapter, we meet this guy by the name of Philip, and we find out that Philip is an evangelist. And he's in this, this city in, in, in Samaria, and he's preaching the gospel. And, and there are hundreds, if not even thousands, that are receiving Jesus. They're, they're repenting, and they're, and they're becoming Christians. And then all of a sudden, God tells Philip to leave Samaria and now go to the desert. So he's on the road, he's, he's on his way to the desert, and all of a sudden he sees this caravan, this, 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 this whole group, and then, and then he sees this chariot, and sitting on the chariot, there's this, there's this royal official called the Ethiopian eunuch. He's an official to Queen Candace, who is the queen of Ethiopia. 
And so God tells him to run up to the chariot. So he runs up to the chariot, and, and, he, and, he, and he sees that, that the eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And at that point, Philip's kind of running up. He's like, hey, uh, hey, do you understand, understand what you're reading there? And, and the guy's like, well, how can I? It's in Hebrew and stuff. You know, I need somebody to, to explain it to me. So he invites Philip up, and Philip comes up, and he explains to him how the prophet Isaiah, even 700 years before Jesus was even born, was actually prophesying and talking about Jesus in that passage of Isaiah. And then all of a sudden, the eunuch sees water, and he says, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, by the way, that's a very interesting question, and, and it's interesting for two reasons. Now, the first reason it's interesting is because of the answer that Philip gives. Look at, look, look at verse 37. He says, and if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, by the way, we should point out that some English translations do not have verse 37, and some English translations do have verse 37. And the reason for that is because some ancient manuscripts do have verse 37, and some ancient manuscripts do not have verse 37. So it depends on which manuscripts you're using. But I think the context here, it fits. And the context is this. Remember, he asks and he says, what is preventing me from being baptized? And Philip basically answers and says, listen, there's only one thing that prevents you or anyone from getting baptized, and that is whether or not you've chosen to believe in Jesus. If you have not chosen to first believe in Jesus, then do not get baptized. That's one of the reasons, by the way, at Calvary, we always say seven years old or older. We want you to be old enough to know that you're making this decision on your own and you know what you're choosing. You are choosing to have a life of living for Jesus. And it's hard to do when you're like one years old. You know, you'd be like, so, you know, it's an active choice. And so uh, he, 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 you, you choose to believe in Jesus, and then you, 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 you get baptized. And so he's saying, you know what? If you haven't chosen to believe in Jesus, then, then that's what's holding you back. That's what prevents you. But if you have chosen to believe in Jesus, then there's nothing, there's no reason that you shouldn't get in the water. Now, by the way, that is just like what we saw back in Acts chapter 2, where, where, where Peter said what? Peter said, repent and then be baptized. Repent, turn your life to Jesus, change the direction of your life, follow Jesus, and then get baptized. First you believe, first you become a Christian, and then the very next thing you should do after you're a Christian is go public with that faith by getting baptized, by showing the world that he's washed you. You're a changed person. You have a new identity in Christ. Now with that, however, as we pick it back up in verse 36, I, I want to make this a little more personal by asking the question this way. What's preventing me from being baptized? Because again, in verse 36, it says, And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, here's the second reason that this was such an interesting question. This question when he says, What prevents me from being baptized? And that is, we should ask ourselves, Why was he even asking that question? Why did he even say that? Well, again, the passage says again and again that he was a eunuch. Now, a eunuch would mean that he was one of the closest advisors to Queen Candace. But again, to protect the queen, all of her advisors would have been castrated. That's what it means to become a eunuch. If we don't understand that, that's for a, a, an older class. Anyway, 
With that in mind, I, I want you, to, I want you to, uh, to, to, to have in your mind this, this obscure verse all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back in, in Deuteronomy chapter 23. This verse that says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter into the assembly of the Lord. In other words, eunuchs. Anyone who's a eunuch may not enter into the assembly of the Lord. So now because of that verse in Deuteronomy 23, the, the religious leaders by the time of Christ had basically come to the point where they would not accept guys like this. They would not accept someone who, who's a eunuch. Now with that, by the way, we, we should keep in mind that all the way back in the days of Moses, when, 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 when Deuteronomy was first written, that, that be, being a eunuch was something you did by choice. You chose to become a eunuch. It was, it was part of, of, of pagan worship. Basically, the idea is there might have been a select few among the pagans who, who wanted to take it to the next level. They, they wanted to show that they were super spiritual, and the way they could be the most spiritual was, was to completely abstain from all marital relations, and so they made themselves eunuchs. In other words, they willingly went through the surgical process. And then along with that, they then took a vow where they pledged their undying commitment to the pagan god that they worshipped. In a sense, they were vowing that they were married to that pagan god. And so uh, the, it, was, it was a choice that they made. Now we fast forward hundreds, maybe even thousands of years to the days of the book of Acts, to the days of the Roman Empire, and becoming eunuchs was a very different thing. They weren't doing it by choice, but rather it was by force. Typically, a eunuch uh, during the days of the book of Acts were, were, were slaves who were then forced to become eunuchs. And so that's what happened to this guy. And so what we have here is, 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 is that really, frankly, Acts, the eunuch in Acts chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 23 does not apply to him. Why? Because he was not a pagan doing this by choice. Rather, he, he, he was a victim. He was a slave who was then forced to become a eunuch against his will. And now evidently he's searching for God. He's trying to find God in his life. And as he's searching for God, what happens? The religious leaders reject him because of that passage in Deuteronomy 23. However, there is another passage in the Bible that talks about eunuchs. You may want to write this down. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 5. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 5. I'll just paraphrase. I won't read it. But in Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 5, we're told that the eunuchs can be accepted before the Lord if they accept him and obey him. And so if they accept God and they obey him, and listen, that's what this eunuch in Acts chapter 8 wants to do. He's looking for God. He's searching God. He wants to find God. He wants to follow God. So what prevents him from, 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 from this? What's preventing the eunuch? Answer, the religion of the day. The, the religious leaders of that day who were saying, you know what, God cannot accept someone like you. And you know what, maybe you're here this morning and maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you're in this place and, and, and maybe you feel that, you know what, God could never accept someone like me. I mean, after all the things that I've done or, or the things that have been done, done to me or, or because of this addiction or because of this or because of that or, or this thing, you know what, God's not going to accept me until I get cleaned up first. Listen to this. You don't need to clean up yourself before God accepts you. Check it out. Listen, when you accept him, when you accept Jesus in your life, he cleans you. He changes you. He transforms you. This is why it's been said, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He'll come into your life and he's going to change your life. 
And so, again, let me ask the personal question. What is preventing you from being baptized? You know, maybe you're like Escalato from, from Nacho Libre. You're like, because I haven't gotten around to it, okay? You know, you're putting it off. Or then again, you know, maybe you're the kind of person that says, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to get baptized to be forgiven of my sins. I don't need to get baptized to become a Christian. I don't need, need to get baptized to get saved. All I need to do, the Bible says, is to believe in Jesus. And you know what? You are absolutely 100% right. But just remember this, that Jesus did command in Matthew 28, 19, that once you became a disciple, you got baptized. So if you really are a disciple, you're going to obey. If you really are a disciple, you're going to go public. You're going to show the world. In fact, you're going to want the world to know that you really are his disciple. And listen to this, if you can't let the world know that you're his disciple in a room full of people filled with people who love him, how in the world will you be brave enough to do it out there in a world full of people who hate him? If you can't do it in a hot tub, how are you going to do it in the crucible? And so you go public, you, you, you make a bold stand, declaring to the world that this is who you are now. And so... Maybe you're the kind of person who doesn't get baptized, maybe for the same reason I didn't get baptized. Maybe, maybe it's a fear of commitment. You're afraid of commitment. And I've shared my story before, how, how you know, I, I became a Christian when I was almost 16 years old, my sophomore year in high school. And at that point, when I accepted Jesus, my life was completely changed, radically changed. I went from being a, a hopeless, suicidal teenage runaway to now having hope, having purpose, having a reason to live. My life was completely transformed, but... There was one thing I never did when I first became a Christian, and that is I, I did not get baptized. Now, maybe I didn't get baptized because I didn't really understand what baptism was or, or why I needed to do it, but you know what? Looking back, I think the real reason I did not get baptized is because, frankly, I was afraid of commitment. I was afraid to go public. I was afraid of what other people would think. Listen, I discovered as a sophomore in high school that being bold for Jesus was not exactly the way to get voted mo most popular in high school. So I kept it on the DL, I kept it on the down low, I, I, I kept it quiet, I kept it to myself. And then little by little, I begin to change for the worse. So finally by my senior year, I, 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 I've totally backslid. By that I mean I've totally turned my back on Jesus. I'm out partying, uh, drinking. In fact, there wasn't a day my senior year that I showed up for school sober. I'm fighting, I'm stealing, breaking into cars, stealing stereos or whatever, sleeping around and it's one thing after another. And, and I lived for a whole year after high school that, that same way. And it took hitting rock bottom. And by that, I mean, it got to the point where I lost my driver's license multiple times, got, got, got put in jail multiple times, and then basically became homeless, you know, couch surfing and, 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 and living in a car and, and, and just hit rock bottom until finally I, I came to my senses and I came back to Jesus. But it was after I had a dream. So I like to call my roller coaster dream. Some of you have heard it. And it's a true story. I have this dream that, that I'm on a roller coaster, but it's pitch black, so dark I can't even see my own hand in front of my own face. And I'm on this roller coaster, and, and, and it's going up. Little by little, it's going up. Ka-chink, ka-chink, ka-chink. And I can feel the anticipation building as it keeps going up. Ka-chink, ka-chink, ka-chink. And, and the anticipation's building because you know that at any moment, the bottom's going to drop. And it did. And it's dropped, and, and it's, I'm just racing faster and faster, down and down and faster and faster. Uh, my, my, my heart is in my, my throat. My, my, my stomach's in my chest. And, 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 and it's just going and going and going. And, and you can't see anything. It's pitch black except for one little light. There's like this light ahead and it's getting closer and it's getting brighter and it's getting closer and it's getting brighter and it gets to the point where I can start to see what's in the light. And it was a wall, a solid brick wall. 
And I'm racing towards it. And I'm getting closer, and I'm getting closer, and I'm getting closer, and I'm just about to smash right into that wall, and that's when I wake up. And I'm like, ah! And just then, I feel like God was speaking to my heart. And I feel like God was saying, you know what? Paul, that is, that is the track that your life is on right now. And if you stay on that track, you're dead. And so you need to make a decision right here, right now. Are you staying on that track, or are you switching tracks? And I'm like, dude, I'm going back to church. I got up, it was Sunday morning, I went to church, gave my life back to Jesus. That was when I was 19 years old. And then, this time around, my commitment to Jesus was deeper than it was the first time. It was stronger than it was the first time. This time I was all in, like the shirt says. I didn't care who knew or what they thought about it. And so then I found out that our church was having a, a baptism at the North Jeffco Rec Center. And, and I decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my commitment, and I'm going to go all in, and I want the whole world to know. I want to go in as, as a sinner and come back out as washed, as clean. All of that is in the water. I'm a new creation in Christ. And that was 34 years ago. Listen, yeah, that, was, that was my day. But listen, today, this is your day. This is the day that you can make that decision, that you can be bold. That you can say, you know what? I'm tired of having one foot here and another foot there. Right now, I'm all in. From here on forward, I'm a changed person. I'm a new creation. He's changed me, and I want the world to know it. I'm not perfect, but he loves me just the way I am, and he's going to not leave me the way I am. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for those that are about to, to make this, this bold declaration of their love for you, their commitment for you, that they're all in. But before we, we, we baptize them, Father, we also are aware that there might be some in this room. There might be somebody in this room, and, 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 and this is the day that, that they actually need to choose that they're in. They, they, they need to turn away from, from the way they're living and turn to you. Or maybe in this case, they need to turn away from the way they're living and turn back to you. Maybe, maybe they were once following you, but they turned away, and this is the day that they need to come to their senses and come back home and switch tracks. Listen, if either one of those describes you, if, if you're the person that's here today and you need to, 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 to make a decision to, to turn away from this life and turn fully to Jesus, or in this case, maybe turn back to Jesus, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you real quick. If there's anyone in the room that needs that prayer, just, I see that hand. If there's anyone else, Lord, for those that raise their hands, Lord, we pray that, that, that you, would, you would embrace them, that your spirit would come upon them, and that you would begin to change them from the inside out. If that was you, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I open my life to you, and I surrender it to you. And from this day forward, I am all in. You are my Savior, and you are my Lord. And I will follow you till the day that I die and I'm united with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.